You're listening to the podcast of Christ Walk Church in Fernandina Beach, Florida, where we exist to inspire people to follow Jesus every day. We hope that these messages encourage and challenge you to live for something more. If you'd like to know more about our church, you can find us online at thechristwalk.com. Thanks again for listening. Now here's today's message. Well, good morning, Christ Walk Church. How's everybody doing today? So, so good to see all of you and everyone that is worshiping with us online this morning. I am excited about today's message. If you've got your Bible or a smart device, I want to encourage you to turn with me or swipe with me to the New Testament, um, to the book of Hebrews, and we're going to land in Hebrews chapter 12 um, in just a moment. Uh, a few weeks ago, I was, um, I was walking through my yard, and um, I, I noticed uh, as I walked along, I noticed there was um, a particular area that had uh, a, a patch of weeds in it. Um, and I was kind of busy doing something at the moment, and I knew that the next day that, that Luke and I were going to be getting out in the yard and doing some mowing and, and taking care of some yard work and everything. So um, I decided not to do anything about that patch of weeds right at that moment. But then the next morning, when Luke and I went outside to mow, I remembered that spot in the yard that had that large patch of weeds. And, and when I went over to it, I discovered that it had seemingly quadrupled overnight. And so um, I, I began to do the arduous work of, of trying to, to pull it um, out of the ground and, and get it out of the yard. And, and when I bent over to start pulling it out, I realized that I had a fight on my hands. As I began to tug on those weeds, uh, I discovered that there were several runners that were splintering off from the main vine in a myriad of directions um, that had dug their way into different parts of the yard. And then as I began to tug on the weed itself, I was convinced that the taproot went all the way to China. Like, and that there was someone on the other side of the earth that was pulling back on it at the same time. And we both had these weeds in our yard and we were just playing this like worldwide game of tug of war. Like that's, that's what I was imagining. And um, so over the course of several minutes, I managed to get it all pulled up. And in my hands, I held a wad of weedy vines, roughly the size of a small basketball. And it left a big hole and a bunch of gaps in my grass, and I learned a valuable lesson that day, that the problems that we choose to overlook or ignore are only going to get worse in the long run. And today we're in part series, part four of a series called Baggage Claim, where we've been taking a look at some of the things that you and I tend to carry that weigh us down, that distort our true identity in Christ, and that hold us back from living the life that he has called us to live and becoming the person that he's called us to be. And it's all based on a verse out of Hebrews chapter 12, uh, which reads this way, Hebrews 12, 1. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. Now, maybe some of you might be able to identify with the girl who once said this right here. She said, I'm the worst when it comes to packing for trips. I know I won't need 20 pairs of underwear for a five-day trip. 
but what if I pee my pants twice every day that I'm there? <laughs> Guilty. I am that person. I will pack every pair of underwear that I have to go on an overnight because, you know, you can never be too prepared, I suppose. But that supports the idea of this, uh, of this series, which is simply this. We, we need to pack for the des- destination to which we are headed. And, and in order for us to arrive at that destination in the most efficient and effective way possible, there's some things that you and I are going to need to lay down. There's some things that, that you and I aren't going to need to pack and to, to take with us. That there's some stuff that we're holding on to now that simply put, it just doesn't need to make the trip with us. And in fact, if we continue to hold on to that stuff, not only will it delay our arrival to our destination, but it could get us off course entirely. And so far, we've talked about the baggage of regret, the baggage of shame, and the baggage of hurt. And if you've missed any of those messages, I would highly encourage you to go back and check them out on our podcast or our YouTube channel. But for today, I want to spend the next few minutes talking about the baggage of bitterness, the baggage of bitterness. No doubt you have tasted something bitter before. And, and when you did, you likely recoiled as a result, like you made that face, like, like it's, did they taste something bitter or are they getting the Holy Ghost? I'm really not sure. It's one or the other of those things. Um, but when something is bitter, it, it produces a harsh, disagreeably acrid taste. When something is bitter, it, it's, it's hard to swallow. And, and bitterness is also associated with causing pain or grief or antagonism or hostility and even bringing about cynicism in the life of the one who is experiencing it. You've likely experienced a bitter person before in your life at some point, and you probably couldn't get away from that person fast enough. There's a good chance that you even compared yourself to that person and, and thought or said, man, I'm so glad that I'm nothing like them. But here's the thing about bitterness. It's sneaky. Bitterness is kind of like bad breath. It's offensive to everyone around you, but it's so difficult to know whether or not you have it, despite the fact that it's right underneath your own nose. It's kind of like that weed in my yard. Standing back and looking at the big picture, everything looks green and healthy. But when you zoom in on certain spots, you'll find rot, you'll find decay, and you'll find destructive weeds of various kinds blending in with the otherwise healthy grass. And just like those weeds, the things that we allow to stick around going unaddressed will eventually overtake us if we allow them to. And so that's what I want to talk about today. And so we're going to pick up in Hebrews chapter 12. I know we read verse 1. We're going to go down a little bit further and read verse 15 together. It reads this way. It says, look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. Now, here's, here's the deal about bitterness, the, the thing that we need to understand. This, this verse highlights a couple important things to us about 
the problem of bitterness. And, and the first one of those things is that bitterness has a poisonous root. Bitterness has a poisonous root. And, and it's caused by, ultimately and initially, by a seed of offense or, or hurt kind of like what we talked about last week. And, and if that, that hurt that we've experienced in our life, the, the pain that we have endured at the hands of, of someone else, if, if that remains undealt with, if we don't address it, then over time it will grow and develop into a root of bitterness. It's those things that, that it's, it's, it's what she said about me or what he did to me. And those, those things that, that we've embraced and, and we've held on to that pain, but then we just keep a hold of it and we don't do anything about it. The longer we carry around that baggage, it transforms itself from just hurt into bitterness. And, and the uh, roots... Notice it says that, that bitterness has a poisonous root. It talks about the root of bitterness. Roots grow underground. And so bitterness starts beneath the surface. Nobody can really see the root of bitterness growing. And, and even for the person that, that bitterness is developing, the, the root of bitterness is taking hold in their life, they may not even be able to realize that it's there. But that doesn't mean that it's not. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, Paul writes that love keeps no record of wrongs. But bitterness, on the other hand, keeps a detailed account. Bitterness keeps an account of all the times that they hurt you, all the times that they misled you, all the times that they lied to you, all the times that they let you down. And it replays that like a Rolodex over and over and over in your mind. Every time you think about that person, every time you see that person, every time you come in contact with that person, those are the things that you think about, that long list. And you've made that list and bitterness checks it twice. And you're replaying those moments, those words that were spoken, those, those encounters that were hurtful. You replay them over and over and over in your mind. And the longer the list that you have, the deeper the root that is taking hold. And when, when we hold all those things, what happens is we, we, hold, we end up holding all those things against that person forever and always. And the crazy part about it is that a lot of the time, that person that caused us the offense, that, that is, is, is uh, causing that root of bitterness to grow in our life, they don't even realize that they've hurt us. Yet we're holding them accountable for something that, that they're totally unaware of. And, and the longer that we allow a root to thrive, the more difficult it is to get rid of in the long run. Like, think about it. Like, like a sapling starts growing up out of the ground. You can, you can rip that up with a great deal of ease. But go up to a mature tree. Go up to one of those, those pine trees that are in the front of our property and try to pull them out of the ground. I mean, even if you are a, a hulking man like me, <laughs> you would have a great deal of difficulty. It's just not going to happen. Because bitterness has a poisonous root. The, the second thing we need to understand about bitterness is that not only does it have a poisonous root, but it has, or it produces a corrupted fruit. It has a poisonous root and bitterness produces a corrupted fruit because the root determines the fruit. 
The root determines the fruit. A poisonous root is incapable of producing a beneficial fruit. Those two things can't happen. If, if the root is poisonous, then the fruit cannot be healthy. Instead, it's going to be corrupted. And, and the fruit of bitterness, ultimately, it stems from our experiences that we've had. Maybe it's at the hands of a spouse or an extended family member, a coworker, a friend, just a random person that cut you off in traffic and you laid on the horn and they gave you the one finger salute. That can cause the, the root of bitterness to grow in your life. And when you think about those things, when, when you experience those things, when you dwell on those areas of hurt in your life, what happens is, is, is you get a sour taste in your mouth just thinking about them. When you see those people coming, those, those ones that have, that have hurt you, and no doubt those things, they're, they're coming to mind even now. We're talking about bitterness, and, and you're thinking of someone. You're thinking of a circumstance or a situation. Maybe it was last night or last week or last month or last year, but, but you, can, you can conjure those things up in your mind. And, and when you see that person coming, you just want to turn around and go the other way. Because corrupted fruit doesn't taste good. It's rotten, it's nasty, it's hard to swallow, we don't like it. And maybe, maybe that person that hurt you, there's a good chance that they're in this room. And maybe today you're sitting there thinking, man, I hope that so-and-so is listening to this because they need to hear it. And let me just tell you, if that's you and that thought has crossed your mind or you thought, if they're not here, I'm going to send them this message. I'm going to post it on Facebook and hope that they see, you know, whatever. That is an indicator that there's some bitterness, some potential for bitterness going on in your heart. And the thing about bitterness is that it's, it's one of the most difficult sins to self-diagnose. And the reason is because bitter people are justified in the way that they feel about the situation that took place. They say or think things like, I only feel this way because of what they did to me. That's why I feel that it's because of something they said, it's because of something they did, and that's why I feel this way. And am I not allowed to feel the way that I feel? And we justify and we rationalize, but that's a slippery slope to entertain that mindset. Because how can we celebrate God's love for us, while at the same time we harbor hatred or ill will in our hearts towards someone else? Or how can we receive God's grace, but yet withhold it from other people? Or how can we praise God out of one side of our mouth, but curse someone out of the other side. Those things just don't compute. So this morning, as we kind of get into the meat of this message, I want to invite you to invite the Holy Spirit into your life and, and give the Holy Spirit permission to whisper in your ear today that we need to take a self-inventory. Holy Spirit is, maybe you need to ask these questions. Holy Spirit, is, is there an area of my life where I'm holding a grudge? Holy Spirit, is, is there an area of my life in which I am harboring a hurt? 
Holy Spirit, is there an area in my life in which I'm hanging on to an offense? And if the Holy Spirit says yes and points those things out to you, then there is a good chance that that is the place where the root of bitterness is at least starting to form. And here's why this is a problem. The reason that that is such a problem for the root of bitterness to come into our lives is that, that we like to think that our abilities go much further beyond what they actually do. And, and we, we've, we've bought into the lie that, that we're okay with just a little bit of that, that, that we justify and we rationalize and we feel the way that we feel because that's how we feel and that should be okay. And we allow that stuff to stick around and, and we say, well, it's okay because I'm just going to compartmentalize it right over here. I'm just going to put it in this pocket or, or in this place or in this nook or this cranny. And I'm only going to bring up those feelings and emotions directed at that person, just at that situation, just under that circumstance and then it's gonna it's gonna remain clear of everything else but the truth about bitterness is that it it contaminates everything let me see if i can explain this to you hopefully you can see this this is just a simple mason jar glass just a clean bottle of water nothing really special about it hopefully you'll be able to see this happen got some some food coloring here. Now watch what happens. Just one drop. Just one little drop. And that's bitterness. See, we're doing nothing, but it's seeping into our marriage. Just one little drop, it, it starts to, to bleed over into our workplace or it starts to come into, uh, come into play in our relationship with our kids and it, it wiggles its way into um, our friendships and, and eventually it works its way all the way into our relationship with God. And here, over the course of just the next few minutes, by the time I get to the end of this message, as you watch and you pay attention, that one little drop of food coloring is going to permeate that entire glass, and that water, uh, top to bottom, will be tinged pink, all the same color. That's bitterness. Just one little smidgen of it gets into our life, and it, it finds its way. That root snakes through our life, and it, 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 it extends off shoots and, and splinters and vines, and it takes hold of every single part of us. Bitterness contaminates everything. Here's what the Apostle Paul said in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 31 and 32. He says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Now, make no mistake, this is not a suggestion for how we ought to live. This is a command for what we have to do. It's, it's what is absolutely necessary for the body of Christ if we are going to live the kind of lives that God has called us to live. 
Paul says, get rid of all bitterness. And when you look up that word all in the original Greek, it means all. I use that joke a lot. It's because it's true. 100% of it. We can't allow even one tiny little drop to hang around because it will overtake us and will permeate every area of our lives. So then the question is, if we've got to get rid of all bitterness, how do we kill the root of it? Because, because we understand that if we can kill the root, we'll eliminate the fruit. Because the fruit can't be produced where there is no root. And so the good thing is, is that the, the rest of this passage, it gives us three ways to kill the root of bitterness. And so if you're taking notes, I want to encourage you to write these down. Three ways to kill the root of bitterness. Number one, be kind. Be kind. Kindness is a fruit of the Spirit. So for those of us that are choosing to live in accordance with the guidance and direction of the Holy Spirit in our lives, kindness should be a natural byproduct. For those of us that are, are living our lives in keeping with and in step with the Holy Spirit, we should just be kind because the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Those are the things that should just be born out of those of us chasing after the Holy Spirit and allowing the Spirit of God to be at work in our life. To be kind means to be of a good or benevolent nature or disposition. Paul talks about this in, in Romans 12, verse 21. He says, don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. Perhaps you've heard of the concept, kill them with kindness. Ultimately, that's what Paul is talking about. He's saying, whenever you feel like killing them, instead, kill them with kindness. It's a choice. It's a choice that, that I'm going to be good and I'm going to do good no matter what. I'm going to be good and I'm going to do good no matter what. No matter what they said, no matter what they did, no matter how they lied, no matter how they misled, no matter the situation or circumstance, I'm going to choose even beforehand, not, not just toward my past offenses, but even towards those people who are going to offend me in the future. When that happens, I'm making the choice right now that as far as it's concerned with me, I'm going to be good toward them and I'm going to do good for them. That's the choice that I'm going to make. Abraham Lincoln puts it this way. I love this quote. He says, I destroy my enemies when I make them my friends. I destroy my enemies when I make them my friends. Around here, we like to say that honor is our calling. And for us to live out that value we have to do everything that we possibly can to pursue healing and wholeness in our relationships, regardless of the hurt that person has caused us. And that may mean that, that we can forgive them and we can still be in, in right relationship with them and, and, and still continue to move on. Or that may mean that, that we need to forgive them and, and sever that relationship and move in another direction. But whatever it takes, that's how we're going to operate. 
And that whenever we do come in contact with that person, whenever those, those feelings, those thoughts, those emotions do arise, that we are going to continue to be kind and we're going to do good and we're going to think positively to eradicate those things from our life so that, that that root doesn't grow and produce corruptible fruit in our heart and in our life. Paul puts it this way in, in Romans 12, 17 and 18. He says, never pay back evil with more evil. Instead, do things in such a way that everyone can see that you are honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. First off, we've got to be kind if we want to kill the root of bitterness. Secondly, we need to show compassion. This is how we live in peace with everyone, is by showing compassion. And, and we show compassion to other people by simply assuming the best about them and trying to see things from their perspective. Roy T. Bennett says this, he says, you cannot control the behavior of others, but you can always choose how you respond to it. We can't control what other people do, but we can control what we do in response toward it. We can't control what they say, but we can control what we say. We can't control their tone of voice. We can control our tone of voice. We can't control the actions they take, but we can control our actions. And so the, the challenge here is that if we're going to make a mistake about others, it should, always to be, uh, it, it should be always erring on the side of believing the very best about them. Because that's what God does. We can't see their heart. We, we, we don't know what it's like to be in their shoes. Maybe, maybe they're saying that to you. Maybe they're treating you that way. Maybe they're doing that simply because they're just having a bad day. Anybody ever have those? Sometimes that, that happens. That's not justifying their behavior. That's not saying that, it, that it's right or that it should happen. But two wrongs don't make a right. And so fighting evil with more evil, that's not going to help the situation. So instead, we need to try to see things through their perspective and assume the best about them. Jesus said in Luke chapter 6, verse 28, he said, Bless those who curse you and pray for those who hurt you. Bless those who curse you and pray for those who hurt you. A great way to show compassion towards someone who hurt you is to pray for them. I've discovered that it's really hard to stay mad at someone that you're praying for. It's really hard to stay mad at someone you're praying for. I love this quote from Craig Rochelle. He says, your prayer for others may or may not change them, but it will always change you. That's good stuff right there. Somebody needs to write that down. Your prayer for someone else may or may not change them, but it will always change you. So we got to be kind we have to show compassion. And then finally, get ready because I'm about to say it. Some of y'all need to put on your seatbelts. I'm dropping the F-bomb right here. We got to forgive. We got to forgive. Some of y'all got really nervous. You were already formulating that nasty email to our overseer. We got to forgive we got to become like Elsa from Frozen and let it go, 
Let it go. You're welcome. You'll have that song in your head for the rest of the day. That was my intent. And when you get mad at me, I'll just remind you to let it go. Let it go. This is the hardest thing to do. Absolutely, it's the hardest thing to do. Anne Lamont says this about forgiveness. She says, unforgiveness is like drinking rat poison, hoping the other person will die. That's what happens when we harbor unforgiveness in our life. It's not doing anything to that other person, but it's poisoning us. It's, it's killing us. And it's, the hard, it, it, it's, it's so hard. And some of you might, might say, or may, maybe you're thinking right now, but Pastor Blake, you have no idea what they did or what they said. You know, I, I don't. But I can identify. It, it may come as a surprise to some of you that as the pastor of a church, as cool as I am, everybody doesn't agree with me. It may come as a surprise to some of you. And there's, there's a lot of people that um, in, in my four years here that I've helped to find other churches in our community. I think that's like my spiritual gift. <laughs> Helping people find another church to attend. It's like just what God has graced me for. What can I say? And I exercise that, that spiritual gift with boldness and authority. But I can identify because there's, there's people within the body of Christ that if I told you what they did to me, what they said to me, it would curl your nose hairs. And you would think, really? So I get it. I know, like, hurt people hurt people. We've talked about that. I know how it can be. I know how, how tough it is. I know how tough it is to, to have somebody say something or do something or treat me in a particular way or worse yet, do something towards my wife or my kids. I'm like rolling up my sleeves at that point. Like those fight words. And to turn the corner in Walmart and there on the other side of my buggy is that person. And to see them out at the park or at the beach. I know what it's like have those emotions come back and to remember those conversations that took place in my office or those things that were posted on someone's Facebook or social media channel about me, about our church. Like, I get it. Hurt people hurt people, and it's hard. In those moments, I just have to be reminded what God's called me to what God's called us as the body of Christ to do, to, to not respond with evil for evil, but instead to be kind, to show compassion and, and just, God, like, like, and there are times when I think that I've, I've gotten over that hurt, that I've, I've overcome that pain, and then I see that person, and it all comes flooding back like it happened that morning, right? You've experienced that. And I have to say, Lord, help me forgive them. Help me forgive them. The question for some of you might be, how can I forgive what seems to be unforgivable? Because like, Pastor, I get your situation. I know that you've been hurt, but you don't know what they said. You don't know what they did. And it's so much bigger than anything you've experienced. And, and you're right, that is real. Because we feel the way that we feel. But yet, 
Colossians 3.13 says this. It says, make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you should, no, not should, so you ought to, no, so you must forgive others. We must forgive. And when we forgive, we forgive like Jesus forgave. Because when Jesus forgave, he forgave us freely. It didn't cost us anything. He forgave us generously. There was more than enough forgiveness to go around. He forgave us absolutely. There was no wavering in his being or approach. He forgave us entirely. It was complete and covered it fully. He forgave us unconditionally. There were no qualifications that had to be met. There's nothing that other person had to do to earn it. He just forgave. I love this quote. You've heard it before. Lewis B. Smeads. To forgive is to set a prisoner free and discover that the prisoner was you. To forgive is to set a prisoner free and discover that the prisoner was you. Some of y'all are holding on to bitterness. You're carrying around that baggage and, and you're not hurting that other person who caused you hurt. You're just adding insult to injury and making the situation worse for yourself. And today is your day once and for all to let go of that baggage and to forgive. Because here's what I know to be true. We can forgive because we have been forgiven. That's it. We can forgive because we have been forgiven. Because of what Christ has done on our behalf, for the example that he set for us, that while we were still sinners, he went to the cross and died for us. Because he's done that for us, we can do that for other people. We can forgive because we've been forgiven. The first step to forgiving others is to simply receive that forgiveness for yourself. Maybe you're here in the room with us this morning. Maybe, maybe you're watching with us online today and perhaps you've never received the forgiveness of your heavenly father that comes to you through the death of his son, Jesus Christ on the cross and his resurrection from the dead. If that's you here in person today, watching online with us and you're ready to receive that forgiveness so, so that you can experience that in your life and, and then become a, a conduit, a, a, a funnel for that to flow into you and then back out of you into the hearts and lives of those people that have hurt you along the way so that you don't allow a root of bitterness to take hold in your heart. If that's you here this morning, I want to invite you to pray this simple prayer with me. It's going to be on the screen over my shoulder if you need it. Can we pray together this morning? Heavenly Father, I admit that I'm a sinner and that I'm lost without you. I believe that Jesus died in my place, making a way for us to have a relationship. And today I choose to follow Jesus his way for the rest of my life. Thank you.
We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Christ Walk Church podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss out on future episodes. To find out more information about Christ Walk Church, including our service times, how to connect with us on social media, and the ministry opportunities we have for you and your family, simply visit our website at thechristwalk.com. Thanks again for listening, and don't forget, because of Jesus, the best is yet to come.